All right, going to God from your gut. Uh, if you want to know kind of what's happening in the life of the church, grab a bulletin, have a look, have a gaze. You'll know what's happening. Um, I hear that Graham did an amazing sermon last week on persevering through trials and things like that. And we just praise God for Graham and, and um, for his faithfulness. And, and, and the week before, uh, I preached on a psalm that was all about kind of lamenting to God, going to God from the deepest place of us, crying out to him and being real and being honest. And then this week uh, we're looking at Psalm 148 and you can grab your Bibles out if you want, follow me along. Um, And this is a praise psalm. So this is almost opposite in a sense. Oh, the lights, yeah, can we, sorry, just the the readers out there. Um, Yeah, so this is a praise psalm. This is all about praise, praise, praise. And um, so it's cool to go through a, a lamenting psalm and then and then a praise psalm. So so when I was when I was about nineteen I had my first kind of ministry job working in a church, uh, looking after youth and worship and um about, you know, eleven bucks an hour and working me guts out and having fun. I was like the Pied Piper, I was just me and about twenty kids and we just run around and have fun. It was great. And um but I was also uh studying and, and what would happen was a bunch of uh, young guys would we'd go go out and we'd go out for about a week or ten days and we'd jump in a minibus and we'd all travel together and we'd study the Bible together and we'd experience um, stories and we'd, we'd visit churches and all that kind of thing. And I was going to grab my water from down here. And then, um, but what the annoying thing that would happen was that the guy running this thing Um, it'd make us like affirm each other all the time, right? Praise each other. And that can get a bit annoying when you live with someone. Um, so what would happen was we'd um, do a whole week together every time, you know, and, and then generally the bus ride home, which might be four or five hours, I don't know, sometimes it was bigger, we'd have to go around. There. I think there was maybe eight to ten people in this group. And we'd go around and we'd just affirm every single person in the group. I'd get affirmed by nine people, the next person get affirmed by nine people, and so on and so on. And we'd have to really find something, like, there's a difference between, like, an encouragement and a challenge. You know, some people go, I just want to encourage you to, you know, press deeper, or I just want to encourage you to, you know, grow up. Just so, you know, that's not really encouragement, you know. The, the way we were taught to affirm one another and encourage is just, there's no, um, not holding back, just affirming, encouraging who this person is. And um, so I remember like sometimes being like so annoyed if one of these guys is like, I remember, I remember he, um, we had to like, when we were in Papua New Guinea, we had to, you know, go to the toilet in these little wooden shacks and there's a hole and it's yuck, there's stuff everywhere and it's broken and you kind of like don't want to touch anything and you don't want a, a shirt to touch anything and, and he's kind of walking around, no, I like pooing in a hole kind of thing, like it's a real adventurous, adventurous thing. And I'm like, oh, it's okay that I don't like to poo in that. You know, that's not, you don't need to make a big deal about it. And I was just, he was like this adventurous kind of guy and gave me a hard time all the time. But we were, we were really good mates. And, I, and so it comes that time where we'd firm each other and 
really taught me to, to praise someone for who they were. Not because of their behaviour or how I felt about them or anything like that. I, it taught me because we'd have to do it every time we met with each other. And it taught me to really think about who this person is before me and praise them for who they are. And that's kind of what this psalm is about, this praising God for who he is. No matter how we feel, no matter what we think he's done to us or what we think, it's just we praise God for who he is. And, so, and we can praise God for what he's done. We, we praise God for what he, he did with his son, Jesus, on the cross. We praise him for, for blessing us. We praise him for allowing us to go through trials but, but bringing, bringing us out stronger. We, we do praise him for the stuff and the things he does but this psalm is really about praising him for who he is. Because praise is important for God's people and that's what I really want us to know about tonight. And it's in spiritual maturity as we grow, we begin to get to that place where no matter where we are in life, We can praise God for who he is. Praise means to tell someone that he's very great. And of the the 14 verses uh, in this psalm, the word praise gets used about 13 times. So it's pretty obvious what this psalm is about. So let me just pray as as we kind of rip in tonight. Lord, I just thank you for this time together. I thank you that you have saved us, that you've called us to a higher way, Lord, and that you enable us to praise you through your son, Jesus. I pray that you give us a fresh, a fresh revelation of yourself tonight, God, and we can grow closer as a community. In Jesus' name, amen. Cool, so we've got our Bibles out, our iPhones and all that kind of stuff. The thing about this psalm is, as I looked at it, it, it kind of comes across quite straightforward. It's like, you know, praise the Lord for this, praise the Lord for that, praise the Lord for this, praise the Lord for that. And I kind of read it and I thought, oh, maybe I should find something that's got a bit, you know, you know, then the, the next psalm, you know, it talks about a tambourine, you know, maybe that means something prophetic, I don't know. Or just something like kind of a bit more, not straightforward, but as I looked at this, I wanted to challenge myself to go, there's probably more here than just simply praising God for stuff. And so tonight I hope that we can look at this psalm and look at the structure, the patterns, and and to see what God's doing in this psalm and what the the psalmist is saying. So I don't know if you noticed, but as you read through this, you kind of see three parts. So the first part is from verses 1 to 6. And let me just read. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord from the heavens. Praise him in the heights above. Praise him, all the angels. Praise him, all his heavenly hosts. Praise him, sun and moon. Praise him, all you shining stars. Praise him, you highest heavens and you waters above the skies. Let them praise the name of the Lord, for he commanded and they were created. He set them in place forever and ever. He gave a decree that will never pass away. I'll read the whole thing. Praise the Lord from the earth, you great sea creatures and all ocean depths. Lightning and hail, snow and clouds, stormy winds that do his bidding. 
your mountains and all hills, fruit trees and all cedars, wild animals and all cattle, small creatures and flying birds, kings of the earth and all nations, your princes and all rulers on earth, young men and maidens, old men and children. Let them praise the name of the Lord, for his name alone is exalted. His splendour is above the earth and the heavens. His rays up for his people a horn, the praise of all his saints, of Israel, the people close to his heart. Praise the Lord. Um, So we see in this first uh, part, verses 1 to 6, quite clear that this part is about praising all heaven praises the Lord. We see it in the first verse, praise the Lord from the heavens. So this verses 1 to 6, this, this whole part is all about praising God of the heavens, from the heavens. We see uh, that this whole section is about the heavens, the heights above, the angels, heavenly hosts, all praising God. But not only the heavenly hosts and all the... the in that spiritual realm, we see that the sun, the moon, the stars all praise the Lord. In Revelation 4, 6 to 11, it, it talks about what the heavenly hosts are doing in heaven. And it says this. It says, in, this is a, 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 a vision or a dream from John. And he says, In the centre around the throne were four living creatures and they were covered with eyes in front and behind. The living creature was like a lion, the second was like an ox, the third like a face, uh, like a man, the fourth was like a flying eagle. Each of the four living creatures had six wings and was covered with eyes all around, even under his wings. And it's okay if you don't understand what all that means. I don't quite either. That's another sermon. But it goes on to say, day and night, they never stop saying this. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, who was and is to come. Whenever the living creatures give glory, honour and thanks to him who sits on the throne and who lives forever and ever, the 24 elders fall down before him who sits on the throne and worship him who lives forever and ever. They lay their crowns before the throne and say, You are worthy, O Lord and God, to receive glory and honour and power, for you created all things and by your will they were created and they have their being. All day and all night this is happening in the heavenly realms. God has been worshipped and praised. And this is not to kind of make you feel guilty because we kind of might get sick of it after three songs or, or sometimes, you know, we don't all have the time, right, to be praising God all day. But that's the good thing about this is it's not meant to point us to us and our guilt. It points to the Holy One, which is in heaven. So the cool thing about praise is it's not meant to condemn us because it's not about us. So that's why you can go to God in praise in any point of your life as a saved man or woman because praise is all about God. We praise the one who is worthy to take away all our sin. Solomon says in 1 Kings 8.27, The heavens, even the highest heaven, cannot contain you. This heavenly realm 
God cannot even be contained in this. There's so many other uh, passages about heavenly hosts praising God. But in verse 5, it talks about let them praise the name of the Lord for he commanded and they were created. He's talking about the skies and the stars and, and all this. We praise God because of his authority. Because he commanded and it happened. We praise God because of his authority. We praise God because who he is, not because who we are. And this is a major like theme throughout this passage. It's all about God, praising God, who he is, his authority. The only one that can command and it happened. And it's also a kind of an, an attack on the ancient worldview where gods were created by man. But the God we serve created man. And this God, Yahweh, doesn't feed off the worship or the praise of humans. But this God is and was and is glorious and majestic and powerful and has all authority in heaven and on earth to be praised and glorified. Hallelujah, right? It's not about us. Thousands upon thousands of heavenly hosts praise and worship God day and night. And the thing with revelations and these weird pictures of stuff, don't get stuck on what it is or what it looks like, but what it means. This, this kind of leads me to talking about the stars and the moons and don't you wonder how that works? How does a star worship God? Like we kind of read it and we just kind of think, yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Like God, yeah, he said it. But how, does, how do the heck does a star, a moon, a, or what else, a sun praise God? And to be honest, like we really don't know. I don't think they have little mouths that we can't see or... And I kind of looked into it and I thought there's kind of three, three things I can think of but I found this quote that kind of makes sense to me. And, and the thing about this is the fact that the stars and, the, and the, uh, the sun and all this praise God, the important thing is not how again but why? What does that mean for us? This guy called uh, Warren W. Wiersbe He's a cool, cool guy, says, the sun, moon and stars, they also praise God simply by doing what they were commanded to do. The sun, the moon and stars also praise God simply by doing what they were commanded to do. They're just doing what they were commanded to do, which God said and there was. And that's why God delights when we turn from our sin, from our from our past and we repent and we turn towards Jesus in new life because we're doing what he commanded us to do which is repent and believe for the kingdom is near. He delights in that. Psalm 147, 11 says, The Lord takes pleasure in those who fear him, in those who hope in his steadfast love. Praise is like doing what we're meant to do. And when we... We become the righteousness of God through Jesus. God delights in that and we praise him because we're just doing what we're commanded to do before sin got in between God and us. 
and we partake then in a heavenly communion with the heavenly hosts. We get to join in worshipping with them. Praise is important for God's people. The next section, I'll just read it again. It says, Praise the Lord from the earth, you great sea creatures and all ocean depths. Lightning and hail, snow and clouds, stormy winds that do his bidding. You mountains and all hills, fruit trees and all cedars, wild animals and cattle, small creatures and flying birds, kings of the earth and all nations. You princes and all rulers on earth, young men and maidens, old men and children. Let them praise the name of the Lord, for his name alone is exalted. His splendour is above the earth and the heavens. So the first section section is about praising the Lord from the heavens. What do you think this is about? Praising the Lord from the earth. We've seen what the heavens do and now also the earth. We're covering a lot of ground here, right? Kind of the universe. There's some kind of deeper prophetic images here like you know, talking about the cedars, worship God. And we, and we know that the cedar tree was used in the temple, which is a place of worship. And But I think we can just see what this section is it's about. It's, it's, the point is that everything brings praise to God. We see in Genesis 1 and Genesis 2 that, that God called everything into existence. That he said and there was. He said there was. He said there was. God commanded, it happened. We do not praise the created one, but the creator himself. So as I said, as we've seen before, we need to look heavenward in our praise and our prayers and we're reminded here to pray from our earthly position. You know, even lightning and hail and winds all surrender to his will. And I've learnt that living in Blackheath, you can never quite determine what the weather's going to be like, right? It took me about six months to realise in winter, you know, you don't really put the clothes on the line, it's, nothing's going to happen, you know, unless it's like some hectic scorch heat wave's going to wipe across Blackheath for 10 days or something, it's just won't dry you know sometimes I'd, I'd get up in the morning and while the sun's out I'll put I'll clothes in the wash I pull them out and look there's sun and I'm like I see this little puff of a cloud I'm thinking no like it's not going to do anything it'll be right there's this little puff you know it's not going to nothing's going to matter the rain won't come don't worry you know you know what happens right I'm like, it's a good bit grey, I'll get them off, off in the afternoon. Don't. Don't get them off in the afternoon. Like, or I'd go out and I'd touch them. I'd touch them and I'd be like, they're almost dry. And then it'll rain in about half an hour. And it's, sometimes like I, I walk and look out my kitchen window and the, the clothes have been on in the pouring rain for like three days. And then I realise you get one of those clothes horses, is that what they're called? Yeah, and you, you put them in front of the heater. Could have told me that. But the weather is just not predictable here, right? Weather is one of the most unpredictable things on earth and even it surrenders to the will of God. Even Blackheath weather surrenders to the will of God. 
And in this part where it's all about the earth praises God, we're introduced to, to people, us, we praise God. In verse 11 and 12 it says, Kings of the earth and all nations, you princes and all rulers on earth, young men and maidens, old men and children. It's saying everyone praises God. Everyone. And even the most, in this point of uh, in history, a king, you know, the most highly positioned person in the world, by this guy's understanding, he praises the God Almighty. Whether you're whatever gender, race, wherever you come from, however high you're up in the world or low you are, everyone praises the God Almighty. Once again, it simply says, why? And I think about this because I think, does he get praised by everyone? Because I don't feel like he does. I feel like, you know, maybe about two-thirds of the world don't. So how does the world praise him? And it's kind of his answer there. It says, for his name alone is exalted. And I guess I've heard that before, but then it says, because his splendour is above the earth and the heavens. His splendour is above the earth and the heavens. His splendour is beyond what we can see, what we can fathom or understand. That's why no matter what we do, we give God the glory. Whether we sin, God's glorified through the cross. When we don't sin, God's glorified through the cross. Because sin is punished on the cross, taken care of. So God is always, always glorified. God didn't go to plan B when Adam sinned. God is in control and he will be glorified. Praise is important for God's people. And this last verse in 14. says he has raised up for his people a horn the praise of all his saints of Israel the people close to his heart praise the Lord so we've had the Lord is praised from the heavens the Lord is praised from the earth and here the people of Israel praise the Lord And why is that important? Because they were the chosen ones. The people set apart, the quite small nation of of Jews praised God Almighty. And it's important to know that this psalm, right, is about the Israelites. And and there's this saying that that theologians kind of say, and it says, the Bible wasn't written to us, but it was written for us. And what I mean by that is, when Paul wrote, when David wrote, he didn't think of Bennett Brown as he was writing it. But he thought about the people of God extending through the history of time. So it's, this is for us, but it wasn't written to us. So it was written to the Israelites. They understood what this, this horn meant. And they're waiting for someone to stand up. So what, what uh, is meant by this, and this is where we're introduced to this. We've got to understand what that means for the nation of Israel. 
that they praise God because they are set apart. But here we come in because of this horn. See, a horn is a symbol of power, uh, of dignity, of, of a king or of kingdom. This horn, right, is the ultimate king who was to come, which is Jesus. We know that that Luke points this out because uh, we know that this is true because Luke points it out in uh, chapter one, verse sixty-nine to seventy-nine, and he says this: He has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David, as he said through his holy people his holy prophets of long ago. So way before Jesus was ever on earth, David is going, he has raised up for his people a horn, this mighty one, this king, the praise of all the saints of Israel, the people close to his heart. See, if you read this psalm with Jesus in mind, you can see how much greater he is than anything or anyone mentioned in this whole passage. So we see that he is the creator of all things. He's the captain of the host of the Lord. He's the, the son of righteousness. He's the morning star. He demonstrates power over storms. Over trees he demonstrates his power. He demonstrates his power over wild and domestic animals. He is far above the angels. He reveals the Father. And he glorified him in all he was, said and ever did. See, through Jesus' obedience on the cross as the most holy and precious one, he allowed us to be worthy of praise and to make us worthy to praise. See, praise is important for God's people. We can praise because it is finished. Death has been defeated, Satan is squashed, we are free from all sin and as Romans 8.1 says, therefore there is no con- now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. See, this psalm is all about Jesus. He's above and bigger and greater than anything here and he is to be praised and he's the only way to get to our true heavenly father. So praise him in the morning, praise him in the night, in the joy and the sadness of life when you're happy, when you're grieving. And I guess I just want to finish here with these three things that we can do. We, can, we have learned that we need to praise him heavenward. We praise him with a, a voice. We praise him with a, a conscience of heaven. We think of the throne. We think of the angels. We think of God the Father in heaven. We, we, we use holy words. We praise him. We, we honour him. We glorify him. We praise him from the earth. We thank him for what he did on the earth, the cross, the salvation. We praise him when we see something beautiful. Praise him. When we see something that reflects his glory, his majesty, praise him. And the third thing is that we praise him 
as though one free from sin and condemnation. We can praise him because of what Jesus has done on the cross in his finished work. Praise is important for God's people. Just before I finish, I just want to take time that I understand that sometimes we don't want to praise God. And it's even hard for me to work on this sermon because sometimes I just I don't feel like praising God. And the last thing I want to do is, if you're feeling down, say, just praise him as if all your problems will go away. And sometimes we just really struggle to praise God. And do you know who we ask to help us with that? We ask God to help us praise him. Yeah, ironic. And so tonight, if you're struggling to praise God, then I want to pray for you. And I'm just going to ask everyone to close their eyes. If everyone just can close their eyes right now. If you're struggling to praise God, if you're feeling as though in your relationship with him that maybe you're angry or you feel as though he's not worthy, but you know deep down in your spirit that he is and you just want to praise him, you long to praise him, but you're just so hurt and burdened that I want to pray for you tonight. So I just ask that if that's you, just to lift up your hand right now. lift it up so that I can pray for you tonight and you can experience his goodness and his joy that allows us to praise him. It's hard sometimes when we're hurt and troubled. But he's good, he's worthy. Thanks. So keep your eyes closed and let me pray. Lord, I just pray for these people, your children that reached heavenward tonight, God. They're they're asking you, God, to help them praise you, to help them love you, to help them have a joy that allows them to praise from the deepest part of them, God. I just pray that whatever burden, anguish, anxiety is on their lives, God, that you take that away in the name of Jesus Christ. I ask, God, that you take these people that reached out to you, Lord, into a season of joy, of, of prosperity, God, of, of happiness in you, in Jesus, so that through other times in their life when they're suffering, when they're going through trials, Lord, that they will know that they can praise you and that they will long to praise you. Please be with these people, God. I pray for everyone else in the room, Lord. I thank you that, that you are so worthy to be praised. I thank you that we can praise you in any point of life. Whether we're sick, down, anxious, joyful, happy. We can always praise you for who you are because of your authority in heaven and on earth. That no one declares or no one can have more praise than you, God. We thank you for your revelation tonight through your word, God, that it's so alive, it's so active, your word, that we're constantly learning from it. Draw us in, God. Bring us to yourself.